Thank you so much for visiting us online today. We believe God wants to speak to you through the following message. If you would like to connect with us or send us your prayer request, visit us at kingsgatehobs.com. Father, we just worship you tonight. God, we give you all the glory. Father, we just stop and give you a moment to just let your presence fall in this room. Let your presence fall in every heart. God, let your presence fall on me. Lord, right now, we just focus all of our attention on you, on your presence, on your anointing. We ask, God, that you would speak clearly, that your word would come alive to us tonight. That as we hear and read from Proverbs, that our eyes would be open to something new tonight. Lord, that you would affirm us with your word, that you would challenge us with your word, that you would strengthen us with your word, that every person who's come in here tonight weak would feel strengthened. Every person who's come in here tonight feeling timid would feel brave. Every person who's come in here tonight discouraged would be uplifted and encouraged by your spirit, not by me, not by my words, not by my personality, but with your word, with your anointing, and with your presence. Father, right now, we as women, we just prepare our hearts to hear your word. We want you to speak to us. We want you to heal us. I pray right now that you would do a healing work, that at the end of this class, that we would look back and we would know that was a turning point for me in my leadership, in my relationships, in my marriage. Something new fell on me in that class. A new mantle of courage, a new mantle of kindness, a new mantle of bravery and strength. A new mantle of love and compassion fell on me in that class. I remember going through that class and I remember it was a turning point for me. God, I just speak right now in the authority that you've given me over these women. I speak healing, life, energy, hope, direction, vision. I pray that eyes that have been darkened to vision would be open right now. I just sense so strong right now that somebody in this room, your eyes have been darkened to the vision that God has for your life. And you feel like you can't see tomorrow. And you feel like you can't see next year. And you feel like you can't see the years to come. And right now, in Jesus' name, I speak that your spiritual eyes are being opened to new vision. That as you take the time to spend time waiting on God in His, in His presence, that He's going to begin to open your spiritual eyes to purpose and direction. When you were young, you had purpose. And when you were young, you had direction. And when you were young, you had vision. And somewhere along the way, because of trials, because of hardship, because of struggles, you've lost the hope and the vision for your life. But right now, in Jesus' name, I speak that this is a turning point. And that when you go to bed at night, instead of scrolling through Insta uh, Instagram or social media, the Holy Spirit is drawing you to quiet yourself and to wait on him and he's giving you fresh vision, fresh purpose, fresh direction. And I feel this too, I feel so strongly he's gonna give you fresh affirmation. That if you'll just take the time to wait on him, God's gonna affirm you in the areas that you're insecure. God's gonna speak courage and hope to the areas that you've just gone blank and dark and dead. In fact, I see that it's a plant and it looks like it's dead on the outside, but the roots are still there. The roots are still strong. And I believe that your roots deep in your heart of purpose, calling, vision, destiny, ministry, the things that God's called you to, it's still there. But it's time for you to start watering that dirt, 
watering those roots, nurturing it by spending time with God, spending time waiting on him in his presence, and that thing's going to start to bud and grow again, and it's going to grow quickly, and your life is going to flourish. You are not dead. You are not stuck. This is not the end. This is not the, the season that you see right now. The season that you're surrounded with right now is not your own, is not your ending place. It's, it's a, it's a place that you are passing through to the next season. So take heart, be encouraged. God has called you and purposed you. And he hasn't forgotten. The question is, have you? In Jesus' name, I speak healing over that. I speak life and energy, fresh energy and fresh life over that area right now in Jesus' name. Father, just anoint me tonight. Give me the right words. Put a guard over my mouth. Help me to say exactly what you would have me to say as we study this incredible book of wisdom. We love you and we trust you. And we give you our hearts and our lives in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I wasn't expecting all that to start off, but I'll take it. So this week, I'm going to talk to you a little message called The Healthy Leader. Um, Before we jump into that, let's read the characteristics of a leader. I'm just going to read over these real quick, and then we will... Um, jump into the lesson. All right. Characteristics of a leader. The first one is a leader is a servant. Mark 9, 35. We're not going to read the verses. You guys have looked these up at home and I encourage you if you're listening to the podcast to look these verses up that coincide with the characteristics of the leader. Mark 9, 35 and Matthew 20, 28. I lead with what can I do to help? I lead with Your growth and success are my goals. I don't lead with my growth and my success are my goals. They are my goals, but that's not what I'm leading you with. I'm leading you with your growth and your success are my goals. What can I do to help? Number two, a leader is humble. Proverbs 11.2. I need God. I need people. I need to learn. I have a lot to learn. That's the attitude of a leader. Number three, a leader is confident. Psalm 139, 13 and 14, I am called, I am gifted, and I recognize it. I can do it because God has called me and gifted me to do it. I can do it because people believe in me and are with me. I can do it because if I fail, I will learn and grow from my mistakes and failures. When I succeed, I give credit to the team. Number four, planted and connected. Psalm 92, 13, I am not alone. I need people. I am here for others and find others who are here for me. I don't just sit miserably isolated and lonely. There are people who are here for me and I'm going to find them. They're there. I just got to put feet to those prayers and find those people who are there for me. I'm going to use the example of a workout partner. I was in a rut. I did not want to go to the gym ever. I was in the worst rut. And I usually like working out, but I was in a bad rut. And one day I was so desperate, I posted it up on Instagram. I'm like, I need a workout partner. Anybody want to work out with me? I couldn't find my, the people I normally work out with, their schedules were different than mine. And Beatrice responded. And I, and because of that, we've worked out now four times together, like consecutive, like 
four days in a row, I think we're at four days in a row that we've worked out together. And it was such a help to me to wake up and know somebody's waiting for me at the gym. So if I don't go, I'm breaking my word to her. And then it helped her too. I didn't realize it, but we were both needing that. And so let's read that one again. I am here for others and find others who are here for me. Don't just stay in isolation. So then uh, it says, I do not isolate. Although leadership can be lonely, I believe God will send the right connections for me. Um, the fifth one, enduring. Hebrews 10, 36. I don't let go. I don't give up. I show up. When it's hard, when it's good, basically I show up when it's hard and I show up when it's good. I know that circumstances change and I believe better is coming. I don't give up in the trial. I overcome and tell others they will too. I overcome and I tell others they will too. The next one is excellent. I work wholeheartedly. I give it my very best. I am not lazy. I work hard and strive for excellence. Perfection is not the goal, but excellence is. I am on time and I expect my team to be as well. I think ahead, plan ahead, and I am prepared. I am the first to arrive and the last to leave. I was watching a documentary the other day about um, um, the Manning family, the two quarterbacks who have won, the two brothers who have won all kinds of championships and awards, and they're just both, well, they had an incredible father. They actually had an older brother who was an incredible football player too, but he got sick and couldn't play. And so I was just watching about this family and how, uh, like, how did you get two sons to be champion quarterbacks in the NFL? And he was just, it's a great documentary. I could preach a whole separate sermon about that. But one of the things that they said about Eli was that he was so afraid of being unprepared that he overprepared. He, whenever he was a kid, his dad was his idol. His dad played football in college. And so he would lay in his bed and listen to the old radio recordings of his dad playing football in college. He knew all of his dad's football teammates. He knew their, all their names and where they were from because he would hear the plays. And he would just lay in his bed and listen to his dad's announced football games. And he would get up in the room and kind of as a kid, little, like 8, 9, 10, and kind of like reenact the plays. Well, by the time he became an adult, his mind through those developmental years, he was just laying there imagining and visualizing all these championship wins, even as a child. And because of that, when it came down to game time, everybody else would be relaxing and practice was over. And where was Eli? He was over there watching more video reel, watching the other team, studying the playbook. He was so worried. And this isn't how we want to be, but he was so worried that he wasn't going to be prepared that he over-prepared. And they said there was never a football player in history that was as prepared as he was. And so obviously we don't want to worry and we don't want to drive ourselves to stress in our fear or being afraid of not being prepared, but God is, does expect us to be excellent and to be prepared. So can you imagine if like all 23 of us signed up for this class came, you did your homework, you did all the things you were supposed to do, you showed up, and then I get up here and I'm, I'm completely unprepared. And I'm like, what should we talk about tonight? Hmm, I, I don't know, what should we talk about? What do, you, what do you think we should talk about, Brianna? Like, you guys would be like, you're wasting my time. So we want to be, as leaders, we want to be prepared. If you're going into a meeting, if you're sitting, if you're going to have a, a budget talk with your husband, if you're going to, whatever it is, in whatever realm of life that you're in, be prepared. 
Um, wise, Proverbs 1. I make decisions based on the knowledge I have, and I gather more knowledge when I need it. I pray and make decisions based on the leading of the Holy Spirit. If you don't have the information you need, go find it, okay? The next one is loyal. Ruth 1, 16, and 7, 16 through 17, James 1, 8, and Proverbs 3, 3. I remain true to myself. This is a good one, you guys. This is a, this is a little bit of a tough one. I remain true to myself, to God, and to others. I am not divided. I am constant, not wishy-washy, and I protect my team members. I have their backs, and I think the best of them. I speak well of them to others. I do not consider, okay, I'm going to do this one slow. I do not consider myself or my conveniences when making a decision that might put my loyalty in jeopardy. So what does that mean? When I'm presented with a decision or an opportunity, if it is going to put my loyalty to my team, to my the team that I am a member of or the team that I'm leading or to my family if it is, or to God, if it is going to put my loyalty in question, I'm not going to consider how it will benefit me. I'm not going to consider how it helps or conveniences me if it puts my loyalty in question. Okay? Um, I choose my companions carefully according to scripture. I do not compromise to avoid being lonely. The next one. Decisive, Isaiah 41.10. I decide and lead boldly, knowing God will cover me and teach me. This one's kind of hard for me. I'm an overthinker. Like, I'll, I'll overthink something all day long. How many times did I, how many paint colors did I put in this house? Like, how many whites can you possibly, Ariana was here too. Like, I had paint colors all over the place. And I went, and then I picked a stucco color and then went through like a bunch of colors, picked it. And then on Sunday, I go, Vali, would you help me pick a stucco color? She's like, yeah. She comes over. We go over all the colors again. And it was the same color I had originally picked. And then I was still overthinking it. And still, and so I struggle with not being decisive and sticking to my decision. But I like what I wrote here. I decide, and this is something I'm speaking over myself too, and I'm working on. I decide and I lead boldly knowing God will cover me and teach me. So it's okay if you pick the wrong thing or if you make the wrong decision, you're going to be humble enough to fix it later and learn from it and then do better the next time. Um, those of us who like to be perfect struggle with this. You're not going to be perfect every single time. It's okay to score a 90 and not a 100, okay? <laughs> okay. Visionary, Habakkuk 2.2. I see what's coming and I prepare for it. I dream and allow others to dream around me. I hope expectantly for good things, better things, God things. Oh, I love to be around a visionary. I love to, have you guys ever had the, the pat on your back from Pastor Fabian in the lobby at church? Girl, you're going places. Girl, high places. Great things are coming. Girl, you're moving up. Girl, you're called of God. Girl, you're a powerful woman of God. That's what it's like to be around Pastor Fabian, and I love it. I love to be around a visionary. It, it builds me up and it strengthens me to believe for big and good things. And the last one is holy. 1 Peter 1.16, I am imperfect, but I choose to live like Jesus lived. I make mistakes, but I strive to think, speak, and act in a purity and without sin. I do not lie. I do not manipulate. I do not gossip. I am pure. I am clean. I protect my eyes, my ears, and my family. I run to Jesus and pursue him daily. 
Yes, those, that's the kind of leader I want to be. And then you're sitting there and you're going, how on earth am I supposed to be all those things? No one expects us to be all of these things right now. These are the things that we're striving for. Hi, Monica. I mean, Monique. Sorry, hi. These are the things we're striving for. These are the things we're working towards. We're not there. We're not perfect. But one thing as I was preparing this week, um, I felt so strongly the Spirit of God speaking to me that some of us in this room are saying, I'm still not ready. I still feel weak. I'm still not strong enough. I'm not... I'm like standing on the, I'm standing on the edge of the water going, I don't think so. I don't think I'm ready. I don't, I don't feel strong enough. I don't feel weak enough. And God is saying to you, listen, if you're called to lead and you have a desire in your heart to lead, all you have to do is give them Jesus. You don't have to be all of these things on that list that we just read. You have to be striving to be those things. But at the end of the day, as a leader, my job is to point you to Jesus because if I point you to me, now I am called. I am supposed to be an example. I am supposed to live holy and be an example to you of a, of a godly woman as your leader. But my job at the end of the day is to take your cute, pretty little chin and turn it towards Jesus. And you look at him. That's my job. That's your job as a leader is to turn people to Jesus and give them his anointing and give them his presence and set the atmosphere for them to experience God. Because at the end of the day, I'm imperfect and I'm human and I'm going to fail you. I promise. I have bad days. I have days I may not respond to your texts or call you back because I am human. But you know who will never fail you and who will never leave you and can be everything for you is Jesus. And no one's calling you to be everything to anybody. If there's someone that you are leading and they need and expect you to be everything to them, other than like Camila, <laughs> other than your toddler, it's unhealthy. That's not how God has established leadership. He, he is your everything. He is all that you need and all that you want. And you get all of that from, from knowing him. So I as a leader and you as a leader, your job is just give him Jesus. Don't worry about being ready or being weak or being strong enough or being any of those things. If you focus on carrying the presence of God and the anointing of God and the love of God, if you focus on that, I guarantee you, the fruit of these things will start to come in your life. Because his presence is where these things come from anyway. His presence is where his spirit falls on you and you start to be like Jesus and think like Jesus and act like Jesus and be compassionate like Jesus and merciful and decisive and wise and all of these things. That comes from being with him and having the fruit of that time with him start to flourish in your life. Okay? So take the pressure off to be all of these things and just know God. Pursue Jesus and give the people that you're leading a good, healthy dose of Jesus. Okay? All right. So we're going to talk about the healthy leader. And the first thing that I want to tell you is that behavior indicates character. Behavior indicates character. So when we're talking about the healthy leader, I'm going to focus just on three things tonight because... We could talk about a lot of things about being healthy as a leader. Lots and lots and lots of things. But when I read chapters 7 through 11, like the rest of you did this week, there were three key things that stood out to me in those chapters. Now, don't look at your notes because I'm, I'm going to get there. But the first one was the condition of our heart. So we want to have a healthy heart. The second one was there was a whole chapter in several verses that hit on finances. 
There's a lot of verses in these chapters about finances. And then the third one was there was so much in there about our mouth and our words. And so I want to just, I'm not going to talk about all the things we can be and do as a healthy leader. I'm just going to talk about these three, okay? But behavior indicates character. So when we're talking about being a healthy leader, we want to be a leader who is a leader who has enough character in their life to behave properly. So if there's somebody in your life, you guys are probably going to think of somebody, where you're like, why is he that way? Why is he always disappointing me? Why is she always fake? Why are they always manipulative? Why is there always some, what is going on? Well, behavior indicates character. Their character's off. They may look like and sound like everything's okay and everything's good, but the character underneath the surface is not okay. The character of holiness and purity and truth and the things that we're going to talk about tonight, it's not there. And so the Bible says that we will know them by their fruit. And so if you have someone in your life that you're like, man, something's not right. Something, there, there's, there's, there's rotten fruit on their tree. Well, you will know them by their fruit. And that's probably not somebody that you want to be following or watching as an example in your life. Watch and know people by their fruit. Um, the goal is not to force ourselves to be different or to be better. Okay, Your goal is not to go home tonight and be like, I'm going to be all those things in the character list. I'm going to do it tomorrow. I'm going to force myself. I'm going to be decisive tomorrow. It's <laughs> probably not the way it's going to work. The goal is to have a pure heart that is a reflection of Jesus and produce fruit of godly character from a healthy heart. I'm going to read that one more time. I don't know. Did I have that in y'all's notes? No, okay. You can jot it down if you want. The goal is to have a pure heart that is a reflection of Jesus and produce fruit of godly character from a healthy heart. So the first one is a healthy heart. Proverbs 4.23, guard your heart above all else for it determines the course of your life. So when we're talking about being a healthy leader, look, you can't be a healthy leader. You can't think about being a healthy leader. You can't pretend to be a healthy leader if your heart's not healthy. Now, does it mean that you're going to take care of all the hurts and all the disappointments and all the wounds right now? No. But it does mean that you are constantly living a life of forgiveness, of repentance. You're constantly, daily, I'm telling you guys, every single day of my life, my prayers are, Lord, help me to forgive anyone who's hurt me. Help me to forgive any bitterness or unforgiveness that I have in my heart. And number two, Lord, forgive me for anything in my heart that's not pleasing to you. Forgive me for anything that I said that wasn't pleasing to you. If you are pursuing those two things, forgiving others and pursuing repentance, then you're going to have a healthy heart. God's not up in heaven withholding health and healing from you. Sometimes I think in life we feel like the hurt is so deep. The hurt is so profound. The hurt is just too big this time. Or the hurt's piled up too many on top of each other. And now I've got this tower of hurt and there's nothing I can do about it. There's no amount of time that I could spend in the word or in God's presence to fix this. But what we're forgetting is God is the miracle worker. Like 
That is who he is. And when he sent Jesus to die on the cross, he sent him not just to forgive our sins and to save us, but to heal and restore and redeem us. And so, like, there is no amount of stuff that life could throw at you that God's not big enough and capable enough to heal. You just have to stop getting out of your adult mindset and get back into a childlike mindset of faith. Just like a child says, Mama, I want more. I want more milk. Okay, here's more milk. That's the way that God is. If you come to him humbly and say, I need more healing. He's like, oh, you need more milk? Okay, I can give you that. Now, is it all going to always come in one instant? No. But if you keep pursuing it, I promise you he will give it. And, and in my life, I'm constantly still pursuing healing. When I feel a twinge of something or I hear a preacher preach something or I hear a sermon or I read something in the word that, that, that shines a light on something that hurts, I stop and I go, okay, Lord, I need that healed. I don't want to be hurt over that. I don't want to be bitter over that. I don't want to have an edge about me because I'm hurt. The other day, actually, I was sitting right where you are, Alice, and Matt and I, we were having a normal evening together, and all of a sudden, I, my whole mood changed, and I was irritable, and I was short, and I was, and he came and sat down right there, and he was like, what is going on? I'm like, I don't know. I'm just <laughs> irritated. I'm, I'm in a bad mood. I'm irritated. And so we started talking, just talking. We didn't know what we were talking about. We just started talking. The more we talked, the deeper we got, the hurt came up. There it was. It was like, bloop. <laughs> there it is. And I cried and I said, I'm, I'm not going to tell y'all what it was. But I was like, I'm hurt. I'm sad. I'm, I'm upset. I'm carrying a sadness over that. And it's, I'm, I'm hurt. And, we, and it, you know what was powerful about that moment was I connected with my husband, right? He, under, he had a moment where he got to understand his wife and why I was acting crazy. And then I felt connected to my husband because he took the time to listen to me. But through that conversation, God brought a healing. And so healing will come in the presence of God and, and when you're spending time in the Word. Sometimes it'll come when you're just laying in your bed listening to a worship song and tears will just flow down your face. Sometimes it'll come in worship at church in a corporate gathering. Sometimes it'll come right here in this class, sitting in this room. Sometimes it'll come in a conversation with a friend. Maybe you're going to have a conversation with a close friend and all of a sudden that healing will just... <laughs> I just had a memory the night that I was at your house and I was kind of hyped up. Me, Adrian, and Adi, Vali were sitting around her table and it was like, (laughs) long story short, I cried. And then after we left, I was like, man, we had a therapy session. Everybody got therapy and Adrian goes, no, just you got therapy. (laughs) I was like, okay, just kidding. I needed it. But sometimes it's going to be just a trusted friend. And that healing comes through connection, you guys. We don't, we don't encourage connection just to check off a box. We do it because that's how God keeps us healthy, by being connected to others. The enemy wants to isolate you. The enemy wants to shove you in a corner and keep you there by yourself because he knows that if you'll get connected and get out of your isolation, healing will come. And the enemy doesn't want you healed, okay? So the first one is a healthy heart. So underneath the healthy heart, the main point is the direction of your leadership will be a reflection of the condition of your heart. The direction of your leadership will be a reflection of the condition of your heart. Number two, healthy finances. 
All right, let's read Proverbs 10, 16 together. And it's right there in your notes. The earnings of the godly enhance their lives, but evil people squander their money on sin. Focus on the first part of that verse. The earnings of the godly enhance their lives. Underline that, circle it. God wants, I am going to prove to you in the next few moments that God wants you to be blessed, okay? He wants you to have good things. He wants you to work hard and be blessed in your money and then use that to be a blessing. Why would there be a verse in Proverbs that says the earnings of the godly enhance their lives if not? Is if, if you're absolutely poor, broke, like broke, broke, like what is it Pastor Coy says? Poe. He's like, I was so poor, I couldn't afford the other O and the R. That was Poe. So he says that in Poe's. So if, if, if you're poor, broke Poe, um, are your earnings enhancing your life? No. No. God's not called you to a life of poverty and bustedness. Okay. <laughs> He's called you to a life of blessing. Now, does that mean that you're just going to be like driving a Lamborghini and like, like diamonds all up on you and all that? If that's what floats your boat, then fine. But that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about your earnings, the things that, what is an earning? An earning is what you get paid for work. Okay. That's your earning. You earned that money. We're going to talk about that in a second. You can't be blessed if you're not working. And I'm not talking about stay-at-home moms. I'm going to talk about all that in a second. But the earnings of the godly enhance their lives. Your money should be an enhancement, not a bondage, not greed. You shouldn't be controlled by your money. You shouldn't be in so much greed that you are driven by your money. Your money and your earnings are there to enhance your life. And it's going to enhance, hopefully it's going to enhance the good things about your life. How many of us have ever seen somebody get rich real quick and then it enhanced some not so great things about their character? Like, whoa, that just showed who you really were. And so the earnings of the godly enhance their lives. Proverbs 3, 9 and 10. I'm going to read these, okay, guys? You guys just follow along. Proverbs 3, 9 and 10. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the best part of everything you produce. Then he will fill your barns with grain and your vats will overflow with good wine. All right, let's look at chapter 10, verse 6. Proverbs has a lot to say about our money. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 6. I love this verse, you guys. Ready? Proverbs 10, 6. The godly are showered with blessings. The words of the wicked conceal violent intentions. Let's read the first part of that verse again. The godly are showered with blessings. Like... I'll take some showers of blessings. I'll take that. How many of you want that? How many of you feel guilty for saying you want that? Be honest. It's okay. I want to hear it. If you feel guilty for saying, I want to be showered with blessings. See, what's happened is, is somewhere along the way, someone dropped some seeds into your understanding and your belief system that says, if I'm blessed, people are going to look at me different. Or if I'm, I'm supposed to be I'm supposed to be less than. I'm supposed to live this life of humility and, and poverty. And that is not the truth. You, it's okay for you to want to be blessed. Now, what you do with it is a whole other thing. That's why we went with point one first, a healthy heart. I, I've talked to a lot of people over the years when I was coaching them. 
about attitude or about finances or about their marriage or about whatever. And at the end of the day, we can talk about all the symptoms. We can talk about your, your behavior that's wrong. But at the end of the day, we got to go back to the heart. There's a heart issue if you have rebellion, if you have struggle with um, gossip. There's probably some insecurity. There's probably some jealousy. There's probably some things going on in an unhealthy heart that is creating these unhealthy behaviors. And so you're going to be fine when God blesses you if your heart is right. Okay? So my prayer is, Lord, bless me. I want to be blessed so that I can be a blessing, mm-hmm. and I want to stay humble, and I want to stay hardworking. Okay? We don't ever want to get to the place we just kick up our feet and just say, I have arrived. No. I mean, maybe someday when we, when we retire, you know, on a beach. Okay. <laughs> the blessing of the Lord makes a person rich. There it is. Anybody who tells you why, that you're a Christian, you shouldn't have a 2023 Denali. Why not? Right? Things are not our goal. But you will be blessed. God has called you to be blessed. I can tell you guys are struggling with this. Are y'all struggling with this? Mm-hmm. No? No. Okay, good. Y'all are like, give me all blessings. <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> the blessing of the Lord makes a person rich, and he adds no sorrow with it. The blessings of the ungodly, so there's sorrow added with it, right? Mm-hmm. There is sorrow added with, bless, with, with financial blessings. Uh, prosperity that comes through cheating, through lying, through stealing. That's not what we want. We want a peaceful life of blessing where we work hard and God multiplies it. Where, where God is our senior partner. If you're in a business or if you plan to be in a business or if you're thinking about a business, your senior partner in business should be the Holy Spirit. Your decision making, your how am I going to invest? Where am I, how am I going to budget? You should have a budget. If you want to have healthy finances and you don't have a written budget, It ain't going to happen, sweetie. It ain't going to happen. So every month, every week, you should have a written... Y'all listen to me now. This is is practical, simple, one-on-one wisdom. You want to be blessed, then God blesses you, and then you don't have a budget, and you wonder where all your money is. Well, you're not being a good steward of it. You're not taking care of your money. You're not using practical wisdom. Write down how much you make. Write down how much it costs for you to live in a month. Subtract that from that. If the number is not zero, then you need to finish budgeting your money. Evil people get rich for the moment, but the reward of the godly will last. I think every once in a while I have that fear where I'm like, oh, okay, we're blessed. I'm doing my best. I'm learning. I'm trying to really be a good steward. You know, I still have a lot to learn. I still need to do better in certain areas, but I'm working on it. And in the back of my mind, every so often, I'm like, what if it all goes away? (laughs) Like... What if I go through those really lean years? Well, what would wisdom say about fat and lean years? What did Joseph do? Does anybody know? Save and store up. So basic wisdom in finances. Basic, basic wisdom. When things are good, save. Because someday you might need to use that savings. Someday things might change. Okay? All right. Underneath healthy finances, we're going to talk about some key things. Number one is diligence. The definition of diligence is careful and persistent work or effort. Careful and persistent. Think about those words for a second. Careful and persistent work or effort. 
Proverbs 10, 4 through 5. Lazy people are soon poor. Hard workers get rich. So we want to be diligent. We want to be hard workers. Now, I'm going to stop for a second and talk to you about seasons. Some seasons you may go through where you work 8 to 5. And you leave for a lunch break and you go back to work and then you go home. Some seasons you're going to be a stay-at-home mom. And that's okay too. Is that hard work? Yes. Are you sure? That's like, that's like 90 hours a week, right? That's, that's the real deal hard work. So I'm not saying, when I say work, I'm not saying a job. Now, you should have a job if you are in a season where you are the sole breadwinner of your home. You need to have a job. If you are capable of work, you should work. Now, if you're married and you have a husband who makes money and he makes enough to, to, to provide for your family and you want to stay home and raise your kids, that is work too. But you be diligent and hardworking in that season too, okay? You, you don't want to just sit back and be lazy. I think we all know the difference in diligent and lazy in whatever season that we're in, okay? Um, I'm going to skip down to the next one, which is a spirit of excellence. Underneath diligence... So diligence is hard work and a spirit of excellence. Colossians 3.17, and whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of God your Father. So that's a spirit of excellence. We, we talked about that earlier. We want to do things excellently. We want to do things at a certain standard where we've had preparation and we have a spirit of excellence over our work. Okay? Um, the word lead is a verb. Okay? So... There needs to be some action. I don't think that's really an issue with the women in this room. I feel like you guys are all pretty like pretty much go-getters. I don't think that's really an issue. But we want to guard against laziness and be diligent, okay? The next one under healthy finances, number two, or B in your notes, is integrity and honesty. Brianna, would you look up Proverbs 6, 16 through 19 for me? So there are six things the Lord hates. No, seven that he detests. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that kill the innocent, a heart that plots evil, feet that race to do wrong, a false witness that pours out lies, and a person who sows discord in a family. Proverbs 8, 7, for I speak the truth and detest every kind of deception. All right, Proverbs 10, 2, tainted wealth has no lasting value, but right living can save your life. Tainted wealth has no lasting value. That's powerful. Under, well, I know you're not underlining in this book, but underline that, memorize that. Tainted wealth has no lasting value, but right living can save your life. So at the end of the day, do I want to make this deal that's tainted or do I want to live right and save my life? <laughs> live right and save my life. Um, Proverbs 10.6, the godly are showered with blessings. The words of the wicked conceal violent intentions. And that goes back to the heart thing we talked about earlier. The words of the wicked conceal wicked intentions. These people who are smooth talkers and have all the things, have all the right things to say, they're concealing evil intentions that are deeply hidden in their heart. And we don't want to be that way in our finances. We want to have integrity. We want to, our intentions are just as pure as can be and our words match our intentions. Don't say things that you don't, that don't match your intentions. Don't be someone that doesn't match your intentions of who you want to be. Say and do and, and, and be who your heart is, okay? It, and if something comes out that you're like, I don't like that, well, then deal with it. But don't just 
conceal the wickedness deep down inside with smooth talk. Proverbs 11.1, 1. the Lord detests the use of dishonest scales, but he delights in accurate weights. What does that mean? At the end of the, don't cheat. Don't cheat. Don't cheat on your taxes. Don't cheat on your, on your hours. Don't say you were there for eight when you were there for seven and a half. Don't cheat. It's not worth it. It's not worth the extra 30 minutes. It's just not. It's, it's, let's read it again. Man, if God detests something, I want to run as far as I can from it. The Lord detests the use of dishonest scales, but he delights in accurate weights. Be accurate. All right, 1120. The Lord detests people with crooked hearts, but he delights in those with integrity. I want to be someone that God delights in. When I make decisions about my finances, and money will get you in trouble real quick, y'all. Like, money is a temptation. Money, we have to be very careful to maintain integrity in our finances. And when we're tested in that area or when we're tempted in that area, we have to, we have to be accountable to somebody. Have, like, any, any finances in any business or ministry or anything, there has to be tons of accountability. Proverbs 10.9. People with integrity walk safely. I want to be safe. People with integrity walk safely, but those who follow crooked paths will be exposed. Man, like, I don't want to have any crooked paths that need to be exposed. That just sounds uncomfortable. God's going to stand up. And you know what? You're safe. If you walk in integrity and you genuinely live with your finances and the other areas of your life in order with, with integrity and with honesty and with accurate weights, then if someone else comes along and they're crooked, you're safe. God's got you and he's going to protect you from that crooked situation. Okay? Believe me. Um, number three underneath uh, healthy finances is your attitude. Having a good attitude at work, having a good attitude about work, having a good attitude about the fact that you get to work, having a good attitude about, you know, your boss or the people that you work with. It's hard, but attitude is everything. I don't care how talented and educated and capable you are. If you're this incredibly talented, gifted, educated person and you have the worst attitude, I don't like working with people like that. <laughs> like, it's such a downer. Like, it's okay if you wake up and you're having a tough day. Your employer wants you to show up to work and leave the bad attitude at home. Yeah. Show up at work, put on a smile, get through the day, and then call a friend afterwards and have a, a therapy session after work. Seriously. This generation, we, don't, we haven't been taught by fathers and mothers to have a good quality work ethic and be grateful for a job. Your job is not a burden. Your job is an opportunity. Your job is the fact that you live in the United States of America and you can get paid and you, then you can go eat at Burger King. Do you know that most of the world can't even go to Burger King? They don't have enough money to go buy a Whopper. Who would want to? <laughs> Chick-fil-A. Chick-fil-A or Firehouse or Texas Roadhouse or any of the other places. Most of the world can't just go down the street and spend $7 on a burger. That, that's absurd to them. The fact that you live in the United States of America, you have a job and you get a paycheck, you should show up at that job and go, thank you for hiring me. Your boss is not a burden to you. Don't be a burden to them. Show up. Work hard. Be the hardest working, happiest, most positive, most determined, dis diligent person in that place. And I promise you, especially in today's day and age, you will get promoted. If you wake up every day and you're a stay-at-home mom, 
Lord help you. <laughs> like, take some time. Create margins where you have enough time. This I'm going to give you a different little spiel. Have some time in your life where you create margins where you get a break from your kids so that you can go back into that atmosphere and give your whole heart and all of your energy to your kids. But you've got to have breaks. You can't be with them 24 hours a day and expect to be super mom and happy mom. You're going to break, okay? So it's okay to take a step back, hire a babysitter, have some mommy time, and then go back and then work at it diligently and with a good attitude the best that you can. Just do the best that you can. Like, people don't do that anymore. I go to the gym every morning. I walk in. Nobody says hi to me. I leave. Nobody says have a nice day. They're just like this. I'm like, hi. It's supposed to rain today. <laughs> like, I can't believe it. I walk, into, I walk into Home Depot and I'm paying for something and they're like mad at me that I'm chick, that I'm, a customer. I'm like, people don't want to work. Don't be that person. Recognize that this is an opportunity and a God-given gift to work. Work is a good thing. And did you guys read it in these chapters this week? Surely you did. Work is a good thing. Work at it wholeheartedly. Okay? I'm not saying we always feel that way, but we strive for that. Okay? All right. And the last one is generosity. With our finances... Proverbs 11, 24 through 26. You guys look that up and kind of hold the spot. Proverbs 11, 24 through 26. But listen, with, with your heart, be generous. Not just generous with your money. Generous with your whole being. We are going to be people. We're going to be women and leaders who are generous with our compliments. Generous with our time, generous with our energy, with our schedule, with our money, with our blessings, whatever it is. If I've got two, you can have one. You know, that should be your mindset. If I've got something that I love, but I'm not really that attached to it and you love it, you can have it. And if you live that way, I promise you, you will always have more than enough. If you live with your hand open, God will always fill it back up. If you live with, take it, it's yours. You need this more than I do, you can have it. And then sometimes it hurts, sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes God will lay it on your heart to give and, and it, hurt, it hurts to give, but then your hand will always be full if you live with an open hand, giving and receiving. Giving and receiving. Some of y'all might struggle with receiving. Usually that's a, usually that's a sign of some pride or some insecurity. It's okay for, you, for someone to give you something and you to say, thank you, that means the world to me. Even if it makes you uncomfortable, just say thank you. Everybody say, say it together, say thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That means the world to me. That's all you got to say. Don't make it weird. Just thank you. No, you didn't have to do that. And I, no, just say thank you. Just thank you. Like, no, I just, that's too much. And I just, I just, just thank you. And then everybody say this with me. Say, you can have mine. Everybody say, I got the check today. I got the check today. You got it last time. 
Don't be that person who never gets the check. <laughs> Don't be that person who goes to lunch with your friends over and over and over and over and over again, and they're always like, I got it, and you're like, thanks. <laughs> At some point, move a little faster. Get that check and pay for that money. Pay for that food. You and your friends should compete at who can be the most generous to each other. Love and give and love and give and love and give. And God will give back to you. I promise. If, if you plant seeds and you give gener from a generous heart, will it come back to you? Will it return to you? More than enough. More, she said more than enough. The Bible says, give and it shall be given unto you, pressed down, shaken together, and running over shall men give into your bosom. More than enough. Miss Norma, is it true? I'm asking these two ladies because they're two of the most generous people I know. Is it true that if you give, God will give you back 30, 60, and 100 fold? So this week, ladies, don't go out there with stingy hearts. Don't go out there with stingy, stingy mindset at work with your attitude or with your work ethic. Don't go out there with stingy mindset with your money or with your time or with your, your giving. Don't go out there stingy or insecure with your compliments. Build somebody up. Love somebody. Be, be that person that, man, they got around you this week and they're like, oh, I stand up a little taller. I feel a little more loved. I feel like I can do this. Okay? Before I close, I want to add the basic steps for financial success. Look at that in your notes. We're going to read them together. The basic steps for financial success. Work. Tithe. Save. Give. And then what do you think number five is? Work. Tithe. Save. Give. Rest. Repeat. All right. So in being a healthy leader, number one, we're going to focus on having a healthy heart. Y'all all know how to do that, okay? We're just going to do it now. And number two, we're going to focus on having healthy finances in the sense of being diligent, hardworking, honest, having integrity, excellent, and being generous. Let's pray.